Welcome back to Pull Up with Miles and Owen. And tonight it is just just Miles. Uh, Owen is not here, but we have Ace Pedraza stepping in for him. And she's taking over co-hosting duties. And I'm really excited about that. And also very excited about our guest who is, and I think I've said this to you before, your favorite reporter's favorite reporter, Pepper Perkley, <laughs> uh, 12-year-old reporter based out of New York like us, host of Dish with Pepper. And we're talking to her today because Yesterday, she came out with a book, uh, Not To Anything, which went on sale. And it's a book about her story, about it's autobiographical, about her story and how she got into journalism. And it was awesome. And I was lucky enough to hear you read it a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about that more and just kind of see how you're doing. So welcome to the show, Pepper. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So first things first. I wanted to just kind of talk about the process because I know as someone who has tried and not gotten to the point that you're at, where I've tried to write a book and I have not gotten to this publication stage, but I know that it can be a very lonely experience when you're writing and when you're going through drafts and, and you have to kind of like get close and then get kind of far away from it too. And you're, you're kind of going back and forth but you're also looking a lot at your own experiences and evaluating them in a way that like you might not always want to. Right. So how have you, how did you kind of experience that? And what'd you learn about yourself in that process? Yeah, I think the writing process was very different from what I expected it to be. Of course, I've written articles before and uh, essays and papers and paragraphs and stuff for school, but it's so different because this is my story and it's very important to me that I am accurately portraying myself. Um, so it's not on somebody else. It's not about people that I've talked to. It's actually about me, which I think is different from what I usually do. Um, and I definitely learned a lot. I think I kind of am very proud of myself and what I overcame because the book also focuses on kind of the bullying that I dealt with and how important kind of anti-bullying is to me and how I've kind of promoted that message throughout my career as a journalist. And But going back through the moments where I was being bullied was very difficult for me and also was four years ago. So for me, I don't completely remember all of it. So my parents were really great with just helping me kind of with the actual storyline pieces. Um, but being able to have this write, let, book be completely written by me, I think is also something that's really cool. And, you know, getting to see kind of the illustrations as well, kind of, you never really see yourself in a cartoon form. I did that for the Toy Story game, but not in my own book. So it feels very different. And I think the writing process was so different from anything I've ever done, like I said before, in terms of all the different drafts, getting edits from the publishers and then editing their edits and then them editing my edits. It's like a whole thing. Um, and what's crazy about it is I couldn't tell anybody about it either, but I started basically a little bit, maybe like December last year. So it's been an entire process for it to now have come out. And I'm just really excited to be able to share it with people. But the writing process definitely had its ups and downs, definitely reliving some things, the moments that I don't love as much about my life, but also kind of being really proud of myself for the ways that I overcame it and now kind of really flipping it on its head, writing a book about that story. I've got a ton of follow-ups and then I'm going to get, I feel like I'm playing <laughs> the ball right now. I'll, I'll let Ace get in there next, but a ton of follow-ups on that. But for people that don't know you so well, mm -hmm. the and I know that you talk about it in the book, but yeah, the your journey to the WNBA started with that, with that bullying that you had to overcome at a very young age. Were you six at the time, if I remember correctly, around I think, 
I think eight, maybe second grade. It's my lesson grade at this point. So, (laughs) but yeah. So could you just, if people, I know a lot of people are familiar with you, but in case anyone's not, can you kind of walk us through what your, what your first steps kind of into this space were and what kind of motivated you to get you to the point that you're at now? Right. So from a very, very young age, younger than I am now, which is still young, uh, probably, (laughs) I think I went to my first WBA game, maybe three or four, pro- maybe even younger than that. I um, don't remember, but my parents and my dad especially always thought it was really important for me to go to sporting events, obviously, just to kind of experience that, but also to go to women's sports, especially and the WNBA being kind of the only thing like that at the time where I was really little. So going to Madison Square Garden, going to tons of Liberty Games and absolutely loving it. Um, I think if that had never happened, I probably wouldn't be here, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, But yeah, so I'm always so grateful that he kind of was like, this is really important for her to have role models in sports that are women as well. And being able to go to those games and watch the athletes play and kind of experience that from a really young age and continue to do so. I mean, I went to almost every home game this season too to cover it. Has been really cool to kind of see how the league has grown, but also kind of to grow with the league and starting to do interviews and post podcasts and have players on because honestly from the time that I was probably able to understand exactly what was happening like they've inspired me and so kind of I had a couple of realizations that led me to kind of grow my brand and do more interviews one was before I was bullied just kind of understanding that oh I'm going to this NBA game there's a lot more people here than there are WWE games why is that and kind of being a little bit confused, rightfully so, about why there wasn't as much attention in the WNBA, which I think has grown immensely since then. Um, but in that moment, you know, they weren't really selling out Madison Square Garden as much as they had probably in the very beginning. Um, and kind of seeing that in comparison to Knicks and Nets games was a little bit confusing for a little girl who's inspired by so many of those athletes. And so wanting to do whatever I could to bring attention to the W, which I did with a series of interviews, which was kind of my first like project that I did, but that wasn't just like a one-off interview. And then the next one was being like, I wonder if all these athletes that inspired me have experienced something similar to me in terms of bullying. And if their stories about that could help me and other people. And that's where kind of almost the idea of this book came out of honestly not the idea to write it but kind of the stories in it because I worked on a project a video project called not too athletic which when I was bullied was one of the things I was told I was too athletic which is ridiculous looking at it now but it hurt a lot then because being an athlete is something that means a lot to me and having someone say that I'm too much of that is really hard to deal with especially at a young age and so kind of getting perspective from professional athletes that they'd experienced something similar. Someone told them they were too tall or their feet were too big, which was ridiculous. And very uh, story that was what Tina Charles told me. She was like, I was bullied a lot because people said that my feet were big. And I mean, look at her now and the career that she had in the WBA and it's having, again, I'm happy to see that she's back. Um, but kind of just hearing those stories was so amazing for me but hopefully for everybody else who watched that and who now will read this book because I can kind of share those stories again on a bigger platform and hopefully you know do whatever I can to help even one kid um, with their experience with bullying that was a long answer but (laughs) it was a great one (laughs) thank you yeah absolutely um I think my one follow-up for you is you know it sounds like you reached out to so many different folks in order to gauge their experiences that were similar to yours and I was just curious about anyone that's reached out to you to say that, hey, my experience mirrors yours. And, you know, I would love to connect with you on that level, folks that are your age or younger, 
just I would love to hear more about your experiences with offering advice to maybe even folks that are trying to follow your footsteps and become reporters as well. Yeah, I love that question. Um, I Advice is something that I always ask about. So um, when that kind of first happened for me, I think it was really cool. And I think bullying is something that not a lot of people talk about. There's a lot of issues in our world that aren't probably talked about enough, but especially amongst kids, it's kind of embarrassing. And not a lot of people like to talk about it, but getting um, girls from my school come up to me and say, oh, like, it's really cool that you're doing this. Like nobody really talks about that. And even like at this age and even as you grow into an adult, it still happens a lot. And it's something that people don't talk about a lot. So I think being able to use my platform to talk about that is um, amazing. I One of my favorite memories about kind of sharing this story was I was on NBA Today um, and they were interviewing me about, and they asked a, Malika Andrews, who's the host, had asked me about kind of how, why this was so important to me. And being able to share that on that platform was really amazing. But she also had seen that about my story. Like, I don't talk about it as much as I do women's sports in general. So she had found that and thought it was important enough to ask a question about that. And I was like, wow, like, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And being a role model to kids and girls younger than me or my age or older is something that's really important to me because obviously I've had a lot of amazing people be that role model for me who I now talk to and get to some of them call them my mentors. So, um, seeing all the little girls that come up to me at school. Um, I remember I was in um, a Scholastic article and some of my friend's sisters were like, they read about you. And the fact that they think that's cool means so much to me because back when I was in second grade, the kids that were I was friends with or was friends with up until that point didn't think what I was doing was cool. They thought it was weird and that I shouldn't be doing it. And now having the support of my friends and peers and kids younger than me means everything. So that's awesome. That's that's so cool. That's so cool. And yeah, when you talk about having so many mentors in this space, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your parents who the support that I see that you've gotten from your parents. And now I I finally met your mom, but I know your dad because we were seat neighbors, you and me yeah. and uh, for one season with the Liberty. So I got to know you guys well then, but the amount of, of support that you get from the two of them is really amazing to watch. And, and I know that I'm only seeing, you know, the tip of the iceberg then, but how has their, their support, whether it's time and effort, because I also know that you've got a busy schedule, you're, you're playing basketball, you're in school, you're flying all over to do this stuff. How have your parents helped to make this just all possible for you? I think in every way possible, honestly, like you mentioned my schedule, they do a great job of managing that. So it's not too much for me. And when it is like being able to help me handle that. And this is something that none of them are experts in. My dad is a teacher and my mom is a scientist. So it's not kind of their background at all, but they've kind of took taken it on as this like other hobby. We always say that my dad is my dadager, but he really does a lot for me, whether that's editing emails or sending emails, kind of helping me work through questions and ideas that I have, putting posts up because um, I do have Instagram on my phone, but everything has to be checked by him, obviously, just for safety reasons. Um, and I know I absolutely love being able to work with him through it, um, editing podcasts and all of that stuff. I think I obviously don't do it alone. That would be a lot, especially for someone who's definitely still doing school um, <laughs> five days a week. So I'm always really appreciative of the work that they both do. My mom, um, 
who takes me to a lot of different things. I know she works more than my dad does, so I often am like frustrated that I don't see her as much, but I know that they do put in a lot of work to make this happen for me. And even if I wasn't a journalist, the sports that I play, the extracurriculars in school, um, which isn't close to home, so it's like either I take a bus or my mom drives me. So all of that, I think, is probably a lot, and I love it, and I know they do too, but I'm always really grateful, probably not grateful enough for everything they do. So thank you for asking about that. Yeah, I mean, being a parent is already, as as I've witnessed, not that I have kids of my own, but I've got friends with kids, but that already seems like a second full-time job. But then you are a kid with a full-time job on top of that, and they're kind of absorbing some of that. So it feels mm -hmm. like there are layers to this, and I don't know how you find the hours, but that trickles down. I don't know how they find the hours in the day either. No, me neither. I don't know. <laughs> it's like... I look at my schedule and I'm like, wow, I have a lot going on. While I'm in the moment, it doesn't feel like that much. But like I do I like something like after school every day. Um, I do a lot more of my work in the summer, which I think is great. Um, just in terms of time management, obviously. And even this year compared to last year, I probably haven't flown out and missed as much school as it was last year because as much as I love doing what I do, it is hard making up work. And seventh grade is definitely um, more of a workload than sixth grade was for me. So I think that's been good kind of. And living in New York City is great too. There's a lot of opportunities that I'm able to do where I'm only missing a day of school versus having to fly out to New York City if I didn't live here or drive. So it's great also like where we are located because a lot of opportunities happen here going to liberty games going to nets games whatever it is so yeah i guess going back a little bit more to the process of writing the book itself mm -hmm. you mentioned just pulling from your experience obviously with writing a ton of articles i was just curious about just the different styles that you maybe had to adopt or adapt to in the process of writing this book compared to what you're used to doing when you're reporting out a story yeah funny thing is um I really haven't written articles in a while and I haven't didn't really write a lot of them. I think a lot of what I do focuses on social media, not because I don't love writing. I do. Um, and it's more because I love being able to have my platform be really accessible to kids, which at this point is social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever. And uh, that's what I love doing, too. I love doing interviews and being able to have that raw connection because it's just not the same when you type it up, I think. And there are obviously a lot of great things that articles do. They're very informative. And when I did write them, I really enjoyed it. Um, but the work that I do now in terms of like content and stuff, I also really enjoy. I think it's a lot more like openness for creativity. So this was kind of the first like long form writing thing I'd done in a while. I'd done like an essay at the end of fifth grade, which was, mine was like seven pages. I don't know, some of you was a little longer than that. Um, But, and right now I'm working on this history essay. So I kind of was in between really big writing things. So for me, having to write my own story in a way that I wanted it to be kind of in the format that we needed it, where it could be split up. So it's not like I'm writing like a two page essay. Like it needs to be, the story makes sense, two sentences a page. Like it's also different very different writing a children's book than it would be from writing like a young adult book or whatever. Um, so I think all those different adaptations are really interesting and a really different experience from anything that I've ever done and probably will ever do, ever do again. And I think that you, you said that pretty perfectly about uh, when I was working on a novel when I was in grad school, it was geared toward, it was a middle grade novel. And I had to keep an audience in the back of my mind that I was working towards and, and that would affect everything from, like you said, sentence length and, and sentence structure to vocabulary. You, yeah. have to, you have to really like work through the whole narrative process too. So how much of that, yeah, how much of that is in your mind? Yeah, I think one thing that I get 
kind of a lot is the fact that my vocabulary is very large. Um, and I think that's credit to my teachers in school and also to my dad, who, like I said, is an English teacher. And um, just listening to him talk and my mom talk, I pick up a lot of things. And so I was kind of writing through this book and I'm like, when I was six, did I know what that means? And I was like, maybe I'm going to have a glossary. I'm like, that's not really the kind of book that I want this to be. I want people to read it and to instantly understand and to feel like that connection to it. So a couple of things I did have to change, but I also think it's important to have it be the way that I would naturally write it because I still want it to sound like me. So kind of finding that balance in between making sure it was really easily accessible to understand for kids of all ages, but also making sure it still sounded like me was kind of an interesting balance and something I've ever done before. But I think I definitely got there. And I'm really proud of kind of the way it turned out in terms of the structure of it, the way everything is kind of separated in terms of like pages and stuff. And then also like the language that I use, because there are some like, I would consider big words in there for like six to eight year olds, but I think it'll be good. Because I also know that the books that I read when I was younger were definitely part of expanding my vocabulary. So mm-hmm. maybe That's, being able to yeah. do that a little bit for kids too would be cool. But yeah, that balance is interesting. That was what I was going to say, actually, is when I was working on this project, I was told that kids always read up a year or two older than they are because that's where they can in a safe place experience new words and and don't have to feel embarrassed like I don't know what that means but now I'm seeing it in context and now I can look it up and I don't have to you know ask in the middle of a class it's almost like one of the upsides to kind of the technology that a lot of these kids have they know like the iPads kids but that does mean that they basically can search up anywhere they don't know at their fingertips I know I do that a lot I'll be reading something listening to something like what does that mean I'll either ask my dad or ask Siri you know so (laughs) I think having that availability and also hopefully having their parents nearby whoever guardian is with them or teacher um is really good. I can't think off the top of my head of like the words that I'm thinking of, but definitely through the writing process, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I think it like passion, like words like that, that I use a lot to describe myself and the work I do. I was like, oh, like that might be a great opportunity to kind of help a kid grow their vocabulary, which is something that I'm really proud of all the words that I know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're talking a lot about like, obviously writing a book from the lens that you would put on from when you were that age, which Mm -hmm. makes sense because obviously you want kids to read it and understand it and feel like they're in your shoes, especially Mm -hmm. if they are really in your shoes in real life and they need to have that connection. And so I'm just curious about any influences that you took um, when putting together this book, maybe from books that you read at that age or maybe a little bit older, where you were like, I kind of want to not copy, but emulate this style of writing when creating this story. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I don't think I really thought about it during the process of writing it, but kind of going back, like, you can see, like, my bookshelf, I have tons of books, a lot of their children's books, um, and kind of going back and being like, oh, like, it's someone this way, like, a lot of the illustrations, like, shout out to Jessica Jones, who's the illustrator for this book, who did an incredible job, but kind of, like, was exactly what I envisioned, and I think that's because of a lot of the books that I had read kind of have similar illustrations, so I think that part of it is very similar. I think some of Obviously, it's um, autobiographical, so not all the books are going to be similar, but a lot of the books that I read when I was littler um, were that way. So I think having that kind of being on my shelf, too, and being like an opportunity for kids to learn about my story, because I know another thing is 
obviously no one else is me, but no one else kind of, not a lot of biracial girls or girls in sports media. There are not a lot of books about that. So just being able to add one more book to that list, which is surely not long enough yet, um, is really important to me. So maybe a girl will see that on my shelf. They'll put it on and be like, oh my gosh, look at the cover. She looks like me. Or one of the athletes on my cover looks like me. And I think that's really cool and really special and definitely something that I look for, especially at that age when words aren't as cool as pictures are yet um kind of having the cover be like oh my gosh look at that girl she looks like me it was definitely something that I looked for when I went to bookstores when I was little so you talk in the book and spoiler alert for people who haven't <laughs> read it yet but yeah. I mean I talk about um, probably everything in the book before yeah. so it's not so, yeah uh, but you do talk about how influential seeing Black women in this space whether it's from the media side or whether it's athletes there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of places in this world where you're going to find so many black women in these positions of power. How who have been some of those influences to you and how have you kind of been able to take lessons from that and what have you learned in, that you can kind of pay pay forward or just experience in your day to day? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're so right about that, especially the WBA being, I think, 70 to 80 percent black women. It was I know it changes every year. Um, and I think that's another reason why my dad took me to games for um, as long as he has has throughout my lifetime. I think it's really important to have those role models and they're not necessarily visible everywhere else. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the WBA as a whole, I think Natasha Klaas has been someone who's inspired me for a really long time. Um, she's on the cover all the way to the left yeah <laughs> so not obviously her numbers are on there that's Washington Mystics jersey she's on the Mercury now but that's a different conversation and um <laughs> she's someone who I kind of known since she was a rookie I took a picture with her when I was maybe seven or eight I want to say and she remembered me like years later um so we've always kind of had that connection and actually through the the journey of me kind of being bullied and in that moment she actually sent me a video um which was crazy to me in that moment being able to hear from someone but she's also in my not too athletic um project which I think means a lot and she's always been incredibly supportive of me so she's someone that I really appreciate I think her being on the cover of the book um obviously not it's not super clear but to me it's very clear that it's her and I love that Jessica was able to kind of incorporate the people that I incorporated into the not do athletic project kind of onto the cover and throughout the book an actual project that I've done like you see there's makers like different events that I've been at so it's very realistic the illustrations as well I think that's really cool to have kind of some of the people that inspired me and then in terms of like sports media obviously there's so many and still not enough like going into zoom calls and being the only woman or a girl or a black woman is still a little bit daunting sometimes especially being so young but I think there's so many people they're getting bigger and bigger I mean I think of Andrea Carter and the fact that she's doing college game day now and that's an amazing exposure um for her and I love her so much she's incredible um and the first person who comes to mind for me kind of as a role model and I like to call my big sis is Megan McPeak she does um, broadcasting for the Wizards and the, and the Mystics um, in D.C. And she actually, she said, she always says it like she was eavesdropping on my conversation with Tasha when I was interviewing her for that project. But she had me on their game broadcast the next day, which was kind of my first experience doing that, which is crazy, being on a broadcast and kind of getting to tell my story about that. And ever since then, we've been very close and she's been a role model for me, so I think there's so many people. Those are just the first two that come to the top of my mind. But 
Oh, and the other part of your question was like advice or like kind yeah. of experiences. Yeah. I forgot. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I always get whenever I ask a two part question, someone doesn't remember it. I'm like, it wasn't that long ago, but when you're talking, I know I always forget. <laughs> but um, no, I think sometimes being the only, like I said, black girl, black woman in a room is hard, but it's so important that there is at least me. And most most times uh, there are more than me. And I think that's so cool about this because it's a really tight knit community. Um, black women in sports is not a lot of us, but compared to other kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Other parts of the world, like in other um, professions, there aren't necessarily as high percentage. So I think it's really cool how tight knit the community is and how many mentors and inspirations that I have that I could actually text or reach out to who would respond to me with advice or whatever I needed. And I think that's so special about women's sports and how that community is. But I'm, I'm absolutely so grateful to be a part of it and be have been so welcomed from such a young age. Letting a kid in kind of to this like big, I mean, being on TV as a kid is crazy. So I think that I've gotten a chance taken on me a lot, and I'm really grateful for that. But the amount of connections that I've been able to build throughout my journey has been absolutely amazing, and I'm so grateful for it. That's great. Yeah, That's absolutely. Great. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, you mentioned that you've gotten so many opportunities um, as a kid and as a reporter already in your career. And I was just curious, like, what have been some of your favorite events that you've done recently or just all-time favorite events that mm. you've been able to attend or cover? Yes. See, outside of the WNBA. Oh, sorry. Outside yeah. of the W, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, I get this question a lot, and I love it and hate it because I have like so many answers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think obviously the WNBA is a whole experience. So putting that aside, I think doing the Little League World Series for the past two years has been an amazing experience, and I love doing it. Um, kind of don't really get to interview kids and talk to kids the way that I do there, which I think is always something that's really important to me and being able to do that on ESPN, ESPN2 <laughs> is really a cool experience. I think doing Toy Story Fun Day Football was also really cool and such a great thing that kids see, oh my gosh, Toy Story, oh, football. Like football is very complicated. Out of all the sports, football is very complicated. And I know I'm still getting the hang of all the rules and stuff because I was kind of intimidated by it for a while. Um, So being able to have that, project be accessible to kids and it was such a fun product to work on the crew there was amazing the technology is amazing I mean I was literally animated like live yeah, you had that avatar crazy to think about <laughs> yeah no it's still crazy to think about another thing that's actually featured in the book is the makers conference which is this amazing collection of women from all over the world different professions and kind of being able to be there even I did um do an interview for a panel, but not even if I hadn't even done that, if I'd just been there to listen, I think I would have learned so much. And I love that. And I'm sure there's something that I'm forgetting. Um, I always do. But every, everything that I do, I mean, I say yes for a reason. I don't say yes to everything, especially usually because of scheduling or because of conflicts. But sometimes, you know, like, worry me, this isn't the best thing for me. So every event that I've done, every broadcast that I've done has been really important to me in a different way. So I'm not meaning to leave every anything out. Those are just kind of the three most memorable things that aren't WBA, obviously, which is a whole thing in there itself. What other sports do you either play or enjoy watching besides basketball? Mm, um, so in terms of playing right now, basketball and softball. Softball season hasn't started quite yet, but a couple weeks. It's getting warmer in the city. Um, but basketball, yeah, basketball is my definitely my favorite sport to play. Um, and I played soccer for a really long time. Um, and then sports I love to watch. I mean, 
I obviously I love watching um basketball, softball, baseball, also football, which I've definitely gotten more and more knowledgeable and interested in. And this is kind of like my underrated answer, but not so underrated is gymnastics. Like I could never attempt anything that they do. Um, <laughs> but like I can barely even touch my toes. But I think the amount of skill and like dedication that takes because I have friends who are gymnasts and I know for four hour practices three days a week being in the gym doing that like that's crazy to me but when you see it on the Olympic stage which I'm very excited to watch um Simone Biles' return um it's just incredible what they do they're like graceful but they're also so athletic and so strong and people who are like that's not really a sport is they're just wrong like it's incredible what they do so gymnastics is like my favorite sport that I definitely couldn't do ever so you and I are probably both staring at the at the weather app every day because I also my softball <laughs> starts up like I think yeah. three weeks or it's like uh March 13th or something like that so it's like it's coming soon and yeah. I've been staring at the weather every single day what uh, <laughs> what position do you play in softball yeah, um, it's a great loaded question, surprisingly. Uh, my favorite position is probably catching, but I do have some issues going on with my knee. Nothing that would stop me from playing any sports, but it's just catching is definitely hot on the knee. But yeah. yeah, yeah, but I love that. Um, I did pitching for a while. I'm looking to pick it back up. My mom was an amazing softball player, She um, and she was a pitcher. So kind of having that connection with her is really important. And then when I'm not catching or pitching um shortstop is my other favorite position which is kind of cool because all three of those positions are like leadership positions um mm -hmm. and being like a point guard and guard for basketball kind of gives me that so I love being a leader definitely and those are yeah my favorite positions I probably played shortstop the most last season but I'd love to do more catching and pitching in this run you're right everything up the middle is so important right? <laughs> I play I play center field now and it's the same kind of thing yeah, just in the of, field. yeah yeah where you get to just call everybody off and everyone's got to listen to what you have to do. And yeah, I, I appreciate that. Although when something goes wrong, then it's on you because you're right. right, right. Yeah. Especially my mom is my coach. So I love having her as my coach. I think she's incredible and so knowledgeable about the sport, but the second the team isn't listening or paying attention definitely ends up being my fault somehow. So you guys are making me want to play softball. <laughs> I will say that Owen is probably getting annoyed with me because I'm texting him like updates about Yankees spring training. And he was, he does not, he, he loves the Yankees, but he was like, spring doesn't matter. And I'm like, it matters if you're winning 22 to 10 on the first day of spring training in the middle of February. Yeah. I'm so locked in on everything, baseball, softball. I'm all over that. So yeah, I'm, no, I'm the wrong person to it's say so that. Too. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, I'm a Dodgers fan with my dad. Uh, my mom's an Orioles fan, and we're not bandwagon fans, I swear. He was has been a fan um, because he had really watched them when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers, too, and um, had kind of picked that back up when he came um, back to this, when he was in the city. So, um, I don't know. I'm very excited about this upcoming season, and Shohei is um, – I think I don't I know it hasn't happened yet, but I know he will um, make his first appearance in blue. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I know he's hitting like crazy in practice. I was watching his videos like, what does he do that I don't do? Like, why am I not hitting home runs? Like, he makes it look so easy. So very excited about the season. I'm doing the same thing with Juan Soto every day because I'm getting yeah, used to I'm watching like, him. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like practicing my swing. I'm like, What's different? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Shohei, I'm, I'm going to be going out to L.A. for the first time in my life uh, this summer because my best friend, I'm, I'm for his bachelor party. And yeah. I'm going to go out a day early just so I can go to a Dodger game. I like to check <laughs> yeah. off the ballpark whenever I can. 
Yeah. Um, but I want to see that super team that that you guys have out there. That's what I grew up with. I grew up with those late 90s Yankees teams. So mm -hmm. yeah, when your team is is good and you're kind of at this age, that's kind yeah. of the best. And hopefully, what so what other teams do you root for in across mm -hmm. other sports? I know it's hard with the W because you know everybody everywhere. So it's hard. Right, right. The second I say a team, I'm probably getting like blackmailed messages like, <laughs> what did you just say from whatever players? So yes, definitely uh support of all 144 in the W. Um, but right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for the NBA, um definitely a Nets fan. I grew up going to Nets games when I was um like one to three years old, I want to say. I my longest walk um up until then was to Barclay Center. So I've been going there for, for so long. When the Liberty are playing there now, um it's I love going there so much. But yeah, so Nets fan, obviously not super excited about the way the season is turning out, but we don't have to talk about that. Um and then I'm always just I feel so grateful for the Clippers who gave me my first ever broadcasting opportunity. Um so always kind of cheering them on. Um but that new logo is interesting. Have you guys seen it? The, yeah, yeah. I'm Clippers. like, I know, I know. My dad didn't tell me that the Clippers is actually a boat, but I'm like, it's a little, it's a lot going on. It's like a compass and a boat and a basketball and like yeah. LAC. And I'm like, <laughs> my eyes hurt. The jerseys, the uniforms are. Good, I like the uniforms. I was gonna say, and that font yeah. and everything that looks good, but otherwise, yeah. too much happening. Yeah, I'm like, boat, compass, Clippers, ah, basketball. What's going on? <laughs> I love their colors, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, no. So Red, white, and blue is good. I like. I feel like so many like flags and stuff like for countries. Like that's a good combination. You know, you mix it together, you get purple. I'm definitely a purple girl. It's my favorite color. So, love it. Oh, love other it. teams. Oh yeah. Um, for football, the toss-up for me, the Swifty and me would love to say Chiefs, but then I feel like I'm a bandwagon fan also because I wasn't like. I know a lot of Swifties are doing that and they don't care. So I definitely appreciate that. But my mom is a Ravens fan. She grew up in Pennsylvania, but closer to Baltimore. So Orioles and Ravens for her. And then my dad is a Giants fan. So kind of keeping track of all three of those teams and kind of cheering them on separately, except when they play each other, which did happen. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yay, go Chiefs. And my mom was like, <laughs> like staring me down I'm like I'm sorry um no but I was definitely happy that they won happy for Taylor so <laughs> I will say that you're at an age where you're not a bandwagon fan you're just yeah I'm too young <laughs> you're just you're just finding your right. fandom and I think right. that whatever entry point you have is mm -hmm. is valid and I also yeah. think that that should be true for anybody if if someone's yeah. listening to this and they're like I'm trying to get into the WNBA and you only know one player good Pick that player, follow that player, or if yeah, you're exactly. a fan, you went to a college and you see somebody come out. Uh, I I never want to gatekeep fandom at all, so I say yeah, no, absolutely. Thirty teams think, across every league, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, no. What I love about the fact that so many Swifties are kind of watching football now is that's those are like my people, like girls my age and like women a little bit older. But I think it's so cool because often football is like such a manly sport, and they want to kind of keep that from especially that kind of age group of women and girls. So the fact that we're getting this kind of entryway into football, I think, is so cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then in terms of the WBA, absolutely. I think there's a amazing player on every team. So there's so many, like honestly, just pick someone. Um, and there's so many amazing people to support from a lot of cities now, and hopefully even more expansion. And so hopefully every city at some point will have their own WBA team. Yeah. That's so great. Um, all right. So I want to get you out of here and just <laughs> one more. Yeah. And this I and I don't want to make this like a, a choose one, but 
think back to your interviews that you've done over, oh, you know, the last four or five years and just give me maybe one or two of your favorite anecdotes, not from a story that you heard, but just a situation that you found yourself in when, where you were just kind of starstruck in the moment, if you could think of one or two. Oh my gosh. I think obviously so many. What's crazy is people ask me, like, do you get nervous? I'm like, yes, like literally yep. every time. <laughs> I get the mic hands me in a press conference. I'm like, <laughs> like, absolutely. Um, no, I think one was when I was younger interviewing, I tell a story all the time, interviewing Diana Taurasi, because you watch her play and for an eight-year-old, I want to say, that's intimidating. <laughs> um, she is definitely very different off the court than she is on the court, thank God. Um, but she was an amazing person to interview at that age. And I think really kind of almost developed me as a player like my coach tells me now I the second you step off the court I want you to be nice kind smart strong girls but when you step on the court you need to be like fierce and aggressive my dad always tells me the only place you can lie is on the court with fakes I'm like okay <laughs> but I, it's funny now um so I think kind of seeing that from a young age the way she's able to kind of balance that um was really cool and then another one was um when I was at the AMAs. I did the red carpet. Um, okay, so kind of leading up to that, I was on the Jennifer Hudson show, and they'd ask me, like, what are things that you would like to do in the future? I was like, oh, my gosh, like, red carpet events are super cool. Like, I've never really done one of those. And so they pull out on live TV, hey, would you like to represent the Jennifer Hudson show at the AMAs? What? Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and no, wow. and I was, like, completely, like, that was, like, a star circle for me. I'm like, what is actually happening? Um, they'd ask my dad. They're like, yes, she'll say yes. Um, but that was kind of an amazing moment for me. And then actually at the AMAs, I think with athletes, for some reason, I'm very, like, I feel very different. I think I relate to them more actually being an athlete. Um, but for, like, those big, like, pop stars and stuff, like someone I talked to, Serena Carpenter, she was just so nice to me. Like, and <laughs> what's crazy is I always tell my friends that she um, gave me a hug that night. And then also shortly after gave Taylor Swift a hug which means like there's like one person in between me hugging Taylor Swift which is basically means I met her um <laughs> one degree yeah. of separation yeah, literally I was yeah, gonna say exactly. degree of separation is this small <laughs> yeah like I basically <laughs> met her now um but she was so like nice and I was like I love her music and I told her that she was like oh my gosh like I really appreciate that and I think kind of that's a different area that I'm usually in, uh, music and acting and stuff. And I'd love to do more red carpets like that. But kind of in that moment, I was like, wow, like, I think she actually meant that. Like, and I'm such a big music person. If I'm not at school or at a practice, I'm probably listening to music somehow. So I think that's something that I absolutely love. And kind of hearing that someone I really support in terms of their music, like appreciates that was such a cool thing. And it's never really happened again since I think except for on that red carpet so. I was kind of, I was like, oh, wow, really? Like, so this, this happens every time is I was like, all right, one question, we're going to get you out of there. And then like near the end of your answer, I'm like, okay, I lied. I got one more for you <laughs> because you saying that, and that, that was such a different experience for you and, and just constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. What is a dream event that you would love to, to cover one day? This is something that I kind of talked about in the book a little bit, but 
the Olympics, um, which is coming up, is something that I've absolutely, as like in terms of sports, is something that I would love to do. And then so many of these red carpet events, premieres, there's so many movies. I know the Dune 2 premiere was in um, New York City, and all my friends are like, you realize that Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet were like in our city? I'm like, yes, I realize that. And yes, it makes me sad. Um, <laughs> no, I think more music and acting, something like the SBDs or the Golden Globes, like stuff like that, I would love to do more of, just like doing interviews on my carpet, because I think I'm a fan of so many like artists and actors like that um I mean if I met someone like Sunday I would probably actually faint like actually this time like I always say that I'm like if I meet this person I'm gonna faint or I'm this or I'm gonna like not be able to speak but I'm like dead serious if I met Sunday I would actually pass out um <laughs> but I would love to experience that anyways and I think those kind of events so the Olympics and more red carpet events premieres and award shows I would love to do well, fingers are crossed that one day we see you being revived at a red carpet event because you just met Zendaya or or somebody who's far more popular than anyone I'm ever going to meet. So we're we're rooting for you to have that that terrifying experience. Yeah. I wanted to Absolutely. just say thank you again for coming on and chatting. Not to anything is out now wherever you can get books. And I'm a little bit biased, but it was really, really great, really informative of your experience. And I loved it and I got to see you read it, which was also a very cool experience that most people will not have. Um, but Pepper, thank you so much for coming on. Ace, thank you for stepping up for us and stepping in. And yeah, yeah I will see you both at the Barclays Center a whole bunch this summer. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it. Thank you for having me.